You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors, everyone. This is Rochelle Vanderzanden here with Corey Janoff. Hello. <laughs> we are approaching the end of another academic year. And at the beginning of a new one, obviously, many of you may be coming up on a big job transition if you're switching from medical school to residency, residency to fellowship to a new attending job, if you're in an academic position and you're starting a new job. So a lot of times there's a lot of big pressing questions when we're coming up on big job changes. And then one of the ones that might just be in the back of your brain but not super pressing is what to do with your old retirement plans. And some of you may be thinking, what should I do with that string of retirement plans that I've left behind me that I don't really know where they are? (laughs) So today we're going to spend some time walking through all the different options that you have for those retirement plans, because really it's not like you have to do just one thing. You do have some options. Yeah, numerous options. So in no particular order, the first thing you potentially could do with your old retirement plan is take a distribution, just cash it out. Um, That being said, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a responsible human being and uh, you probably know that withdrawing money while you're not retired or or at least under the age of 60 and uh, technically ineligible to withdraw money from a retirement account should be at the very bottom of the list. Um, you know, one, you'll stunt your retirement growth because you'll now have less money in retirement to compound over time. You'll have to pay income taxes on the withdrawal plus a penalty. So a de- ec- you have to pay extra taxes on that money um, to get to it before age 59 and a half, according to current IRS rules. So um, yeah, really uh, last resort, you should never take retirement distributions until you're officially retired and over the age of 60 from a qualified retirement plan. Um, but that's technically one of the options. If you leave an employer, <laughs> you could cash it out, but not advisable. Once in a while, if you have like a super, super tiny balance, an employer might even just send you a check. It might just be like, oh, this is $500. And I mean, if that happens, it's not a huge deal, but you can still get it into another retirement plan. So um, that's one of the, the second options is just if you have a plan with your new employer, it can be fairly simple to consolidate your old plans into your new plan. And and there's definitely some, some legwork that you have to do to get it done. But there's also some pros to this. It can be really convenient just to have everything in one spot so you can keep track of it a little bit easier. There's not generally any tax consequences for doing that. You're moving it from an account that has very similar tax treatment to one that's the same. And so, you know, you haven't taken it out, you haven't taken a distribution, so you don't have to pay any taxes on it if you keep it in a retirement plan. It's not always recommended. Um, 
but you know sometimes there's also a way that you can take loans against a balance in an employer plan whereas there's not with a lot of like IRAs and things like that so that can technically be a, a pro too it's just that you know there's some amount of that money can be accessible if you really 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 need it there are some cons with work plans though um you're very limited generally on what your investment options are. So, you know, if you're investing yourself in like an individual retirement account, something you've set up on your own, you have lots of investment choices. But in like a 401k or a 403b, they give you a list and it's maybe like 30, 40 mutual funds. A lot of that list is actually like the target date retirement funds. Um, and, you know, maybe you have like 15 or 20 other options outside of that. So it's not very comprehensive. You're a little bit limited, which is not the end of the world, but definitely limiting. And then in a lot of cases, you can't get direct assistance with investments in a work plan. So, you know, maybe you're not very comfortable managing your investments on your own and you'd like some help with that. Um, some employer plans do have options to allow like an advisor to help you with your investments, but a lot of them don't. So that, that can be a con too. Um, yeah, and I think one other thing just to be aware of, it's not necessarily a pro or a con, but there are generally fees in employer plans, which sometimes your employer covers for you, sometimes you're responsible for part of them. So if you are thinking about consolidating plans, definitely be aware of that. Like look at what the, the fees are in the new plan, look at what the fees are in the old plan. If the fees in the new plan are higher, it probably doesn't make sense to move your old retirement plan money into that account. Anything to add there, Corey? Yeah, I mean, at least it gives you more stuff to ponder. You may say, yeah, the fees are a little bit higher, but I don't want to deal with having numerous plans. It's easier to manage if it's consolidated. So we just have to, you know, how much higher are they and and make that decision. You know, if you're going between hospitals, most hospitals, pretty large retirement plans, so the fees are going to be pretty modest. But if you're joining a smaller practice, you know, with, with only a few employees, um, you know, it's going to be more costly on a per person basis to run that retirement plan and administer it. So the, the, the fees and expenses could be um, a little bit higher as a result. So again, you know, case by case basis there. Um, another option, you could roll your old retirement money into a IRA uh, an individual retirement account, um, you know, especially if you have multiple old retirement plans, could be attractive to consolidate them all into one rollover IRA where you have a little bit more control over the investments or, or a lot more control. You pick where you want to roll it to. You, you now, instead of having a couple dozen investment choices, have thousands of investment choices. You can also, if, if desired, have a professional help you directly with that IRA, uh, often a little bit easier than within the 401k. Um, now, any Roth money can be rolled into a Roth IRA. Any pre-tax money would go into a traditional IRA. So, you know, advantage, a little bit more control, you know, consolidate into one account. Uh, the downside, if you roll pre-tax money into a traditional IRA, that's going to prohibit you from doing the backdoor Roth moving forward. You can't have any pre-tax IRA money lying around and still do the backdoor Roth IRA. Now, that Potentially soon may not be an issue. I know Congress is trying, so far unsuccessfully, but trying to get rid of Roth conversions and the backdoor Roth IRA. So it might be a moot point here within the next year. But um, you know, as of now, if you're still actively 
working and, and, and doing Roth conversions, you know, we got to weigh that into the consideration uh, as well. Um, if you roll your pre-tax IRA money into a traditional IRA that, and you have other money in that traditional IRA that didn't come from a qualified employer retirement plan, then you lose some of the asset protection that comes with qualified employer retirement plans. But if it's all um, money from old employer plans, it's still going to be a highly protected asset, I believe, in every single state, but I guess confirm with a asset protection attorney in your state. And then um, you can't do loans from IRAs like you can with some 401k and 403b plans. Again, you know, if we're having to take loans out of our retirement accounts, we're probably not doing the best job financially or, or you know, like stuff happens. You know, sometimes we need a quick access to money that we didn't plan for. Um, one thing you can do though with IRAs is there's what's called the 60 day rollover rule where you can actually withdraw money from an IRA. And as long as you put that amount back in within 60 days, you're not penalized and you don't pay any taxes on it. So for a very short term access to capital, that could be, um, you know, attractive, but uh, you got to be careful with that because if it goes a day beyond 60, you're going to be subject to income taxes plus a 10% penalty if you're under age 59 and a half. So anything else on that one, Rochelle? No, I don't think so. I think um, one thing to just back up to really quickly is that within your work retirement plans, you can have both pre-tax contributions and you can potentially have some Roth contributions. So the, the pre-tax contributions are any dollars that you put in, and that's kind of like the default normally. So that means you get a tax deduction, you haven't paid any taxes on that money. When you move it into a rollover IRA or a traditional IRA, it's the same thing. It's pre-tax money, so you don't pay taxes on it. With Roth money, if you made contributions on a Roth basis into like a Roth 403B or a Roth 401K, that money can be moved into like a Roth IRA, which is also fairly simple. There's no tax consequences for that because you're moving it from an account with like the same tax treatment to the same tax treatment. So Roth money, you don't get a tax deduction for, but then you get to invest that money, it can grow, and then you can take it out when you're retired and you don't pay any taxes on that growth, which is really attractive, especially if you're young, because your money has like a really long time to grow. So one other slightly more complicated thing you can do is you can take that pre-tax money that you put into a 401k or a 403b or that your employer put into that account and you can convert it into a Roth IRA. And when you convert money, it's taking the pre-tax money and moving it into that Roth account where you never have to pay taxes again. And because you did that, you have to pay taxes in the year that you convert it. And you don't want to like withhold the taxes from the conversion or anything like that because that counts as taking money out early and then you pay that penalty tax too. Basically what happens is you do the conversion, you tell them you don't want to withhold taxes and then you end up owing at the end of the year when you file your taxes, it gets added to your taxable income. So when you file, you know, in February, March, April, you end up probably owing some money on your taxes. It just kind of nets against whatever other tax things were going on that current year. So there are some like pros to that. I think it's counterintuitive a little bit because you're like, why would I intentionally choose to pay taxes? But a lot of times, you know, especially when we're dealing with trainees, we have folks that are in lower tax brackets compared to what we expect them to be in. And the other thing is that we know what tax rates look like now. We have no idea 
what tax rates will look like when you're retired. So you can pay like a known tax amount now on a smaller balance, or you can wait until you're retired and pay who the heck knows what kind of tax rate <laughs> when you're retired, and then on a larger dollar amount because you know ideally it's grown in between. So I think it can be a really attractive move, but it can also be pretty burdensome if the balance you're converting is large. So a lot of times when we're thinking about doing this, it's like, okay, so how much are we converting? If it's $10,000, then you know the taxes on $10,000 might not be huge. Um, if it's $50,000, like that's a much more substantial tax burden that we absolutely need to be considering more carefully. Um, there's some cons too, like if you don't have the money to pay the taxes, don't do it. Like, <laughs> like that, that would not be a good place to be in, absolutely. Um, if you do decide to do it, your CPA might be mad at you, but we don't care about him. Um, <laughs> like a lot of times accountants are really focused on like, what are we doing with our taxes right now? But we also want you guys to be thinking about like, what does tax look like for you in the future? You know, can we take away some of those question marks? Um, yeah, go ahead, Corey. You have more to add on taxes, I think. Yeah, I think one other thing is you kind of look at it in your current circumstances. You know, if you're in residency or fellowship and you change jobs or, you know, or switch, you know, go to a different place for fellowship and you have a small balance in that retirement plan, you know, it could make sense to do that Roth conversion and, and kind of look at it from the perspective of where do you think taxes will be in the future relative to your current circumstances? And taxes can do one of three things. They can either go up, they can stay the same, or they could go down. And if you're in a lower or higher income tax bracket, you know, the answer to that question might be different for you. Like again, if you're in residency or fellowship, you know, there's a good chance that taxes in the future for you are going to be higher than they are today. So you know, we know two things are certain in life, death and taxes. It's, you're either going to pay your taxes now or pay your taxes later, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to pay those taxes. So if you think taxes today are lower than they will be in the future, that Roth conversion looks pretty attractive, assuming you have the cash on hand to pay that tax bill in April. So you could do the conversion, pay the taxes now, get that money into an account that'll grow tax-free and be accessible tax-free in retirement when taxes, you know, in this example are likely to be higher. Now, if the opposite is true, if you're at your peak earning years in the top tax bracket and, uh, you know, you have a large balance, you know, maybe doing that Roth conversion doesn't make sense because you'd be hit with a large tax bill at the top bracket and in retirement, there's a good chance taxes will be lower for you than they will be today. So we probably don't want to pay taxes at a higher rate now in order to avoid them at a lower rate later. Um, you know, we'd want to do the opposite, avoid taxes at the higher rate, pay taxes at the lower rate. So it kind of depends on your personal circumstances. Um, but you know, especially if you have a smaller balance and you're in a lower income bracket, that Roth conversion is pretty appealing. Absolutely. I think one option you can also do, which I, yeah, I, I mean, we can leave it as it is basically. Like you don't have to do anything. You don't have to move your retirement accounts. You can leave them in like a million different plans and not have to, you know, keep, you have to keep track of them. You got to do all these different things. So it, it can be challenging to do that, but 
sometimes it's like the the path of least resistance and that's what happens but eventually you're probably gonna have to take care of it eventually you're probably gonna have to get them more consolidated than they are um and it can also be really hard to get to the money so um i think you got to make sure, like, do you even have contacts with those old plans? Do you have access to the HR department? Do you have access to, like, the retirement plan itself? Like, you got to make sure that you're staying on top of those things if you do leave them in different places. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend leaving it as is. Like, I have one client who, for the last couple of years, has been trying to get to one of her old retirement plans from, like, close to 20 years ago. And... Or trying to roll it over and she can't find anyone at that employer to sign off and verify her employment status. And so like her money's essentially stuck. And uh, it's not a large enough balance to where there's motivation to like put a ton of effort into it, you know, where they're busy with jobs and working and kids and stuff. But it's like still, it's a frustrating pain point. It's like, this is my money. I can't get to it. Um, so yeah, I would encourage you when you leave an employer either consolidate into the new employer plan, roll to an IRA, but I wouldn't let it linger too long um, without taking it with you. Because, you know, if, if you if you just leave your old plans where they are, you know, you're either going to end up with a bunch of old plans and it's going to be a pain to try and track them down and consolidate them at the end of the day uh, when you're getting to retirement, or you potentially could lose track of them or, you know, potentially have trouble getting to some of them in this case that my client has, has experienced. So try and roll them over and, and consolidate as you go. Absolutely. There is one other interesting kind of work retirement plan that we haven't really touched on yet. Um, 401ks and 403bs, all of these options apply. There is a type of account called a 457b that a lot of people sometimes have when they work in hospitals and things like that. And they can be a little bit more complicated because they're not the same kind of qualified plan. Um, if it's uh, like any 457B can generally be moved to another 457B if it's the same type of 457B, but another complicating factor is that there's different types of 457B. Some of them are governmental 457Bs and some of them are non-governmental. Um, the governmental ones, like, so if you're working in, like, a university or something like that, um, and it's a, a public university, chances are it's a governmental 457B. Those ones can usually be moved to other qualified plans also. So, like, a 401k, a 403b, an IRA, something like that. The non-governmental rules, those ones are usually set up by private employers so that you can save more for retirement on a pre-tax basis, but they usually have much stricter distribution rules. And a lot of times, like you have to touch base with that specific plan to know what all of the options are for getting that money out of there. And they can vary quite a bit. So it's very plan by plan. And I would say like if you're using a 457B and you're not at a governmental institution, make sure you really understand what those distributions are. Because at some point, you know, you're going to have to take the money out of that account and it would be really good to know exactly how that's going to look for you. Yeah, some plans can be kind of restrictive. Like they'll say, when you stop working here, you have to withdraw your entire balance within 90 days. It's like, well, shoot, that could result in a pretty big tax bill. So maybe we just avoid that plan altogether. Don't contribute to it. Others might you know, allow you to make a, a one-time irrevocable election. It's like, I'm either going to take it all out at once. I'm going to you know, elect 
equal systematic withdrawals over 10 years, you know, they'll give you a menu to choose from. Um, some are, are very flexible and it's like, do whatever you want with the money. You can leave it as is, you know, take it out over time, you know, dealer's choice. But, um, but yeah, one nice thing about 457s is they don't have a penalty for withdrawing it before age 59 and a half. Now, again, we don't want to start tapping into retirement money before we're retired, but that could be, you know, one of the first accounts you draw from, you know, maybe you you're retiring in your late fifties and you can't access your other money until you're in your sixties. Well, let's pull from the 457 first, drain that one without penalty. And then we can get to our other accounts once we're officially eligible. So yeah, the 457 is definitely a little trickier. A little funky. Yep. One other, um, I don't know if necessarily an option, but scenario, we're, ta- we're kind of talking about people who are still actively employed and moving from one employer to another. But what if you're transitioning to retirement and you don't have a new employer plan to roll to and, and you maybe you are old enough to start taking distributions? In that case, it probably does make sense to roll your old retirement accounts into an IRA or a Roth IRA if there's Roth money in there, consolidate that way um, because it's a lot easier to take distributions from an IRA than it is from a workplace retirement plan. You know, with workplace plans, there's forms and paperwork and you gotta, it's a pain. Uh, But with IRAs, like you can just link it up to your checking account, set up a systematic withdrawal. You know, maybe you want monthly income in retirement. Maybe you, you just wanna take, you know, random lump sums once or twice a year to replenish the savings account and then slowly, deplete the savings to support living expenses, but definitely more flexible and easier uh, to manage, control, and and take withdrawals from those IRAs than it is from those workplace plans. So it probably does make sense to consolidate everything at that point if you are uh, retiring. Yep. I think one thing that can be challenging sometimes is the mechanics of actually doing any of this stuff. (laughs) I feel like that's where people get caught up a lot. But if you're ever unclear, like you've decided you want to do X, Y, Z, I would suggest starting with your existing plan, like the one that you want to move and you need to get rollover and distribution forms or instructions from them. Sometimes it's as simple as logging on online and like finding the place where it says rollover and filling it out online and docu-signing it. It can be pretty simple. Um, Other times, like it's not very simple. And when in doubt, I would just suggest that you call them. The last statement that you have has some sort of customer service number on it. I would just call them directly. Um, Some, like plan managers will even just like fill all that stuff out for you basically over the phone and handle it over the phone for you. So, you know, if it's simple enough, they can do that. And sometimes they might even need to mail you like paper forms or email you paper forms that you have to print and sign and all that kind of stuff. Um, If you are choosing to roll it into like an existing employer plan, you also need to make sure that you call them and discuss that incoming rollover and make sure that it like the check is properly made out, that like it's sent to the right place, all of that kind of stuff, just to make sure that that's processed properly because you don't want something to happen in the interim. Like you don't want that to get lost in the shuffle somehow, some way. Um, If you are moving money into like a rollover IRA or a Roth IRA, 
you're probably going to need to get a whole bunch of information together just to get to do like a direct rollover. So your existing plan, they're going to want to know where the money is going. Like what, who's the custodian, which is basically like the bank that holds the money. What's the account number possibly? They might want to know that. You know, where are they mailing the check to? If they're not mailing it to you, they want like an address that they can actually send that check to. So make sure that you have all of that information available when you get ready to call them. And if you're working with a financial advisor, get your advisor involved. That's what you're paying them for. You know, they can hop on the phone with you to call the employer, make sure, you know, they can translate the lingo to plain English and, you know, make sure things are uh, executed the way they're supposed to be to get the money to the right place. So. Yep, absolutely. I don't have a whole lot to add, Corey. I think whatever you do, just, you know, be aware of all the tax consequences. That's a big one. Anytime you're taking a distribution from like a 403B or a 401k, they usually are required to give you some like tax disclosures. So, you know, if you're at all unclear, maybe read that over before you proceed. But generally speaking, like we talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Talk to your tax person to get you know more concrete estimates for what the tax implications will be for you specifically, um, you know, as it obviously can vary by individual circumstances. So make sure you're aware so there's no big surprises come April. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you for listening, everyone. Always let us know if you have questions. See you next time. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast, on our Finity Group YouTube channel, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.